Welcome along to Definitive Breaks here. I'm Tina and you've tuned in to Radio Karam. It's good to be back after a, a nice little break. So yeah, on today's show, I have a special guest, a two-time ARIA Award winner. He has a career that spans over four decades and he's one of Australia's most accomplished vocal talents. His name is Pat Powell. Welcome to the show, Pat. Thank you, Tina. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, lovely. Thank you for um, dialing in all the way from sunny Sydney. Oh, that's only today. <laughs> it was sunny here yesterday and gosh, now it's raining. That's great. Yeah, but that that can change in Melbourne, so, you know. Mm. Could be beautiful again shortly. Of course, of course. Um, when are you due to come to Melbourne? Um, I think the 4th of February. Uh-huh. I'll be at, um, I'm in the Crown on the 5th, which is sold out. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I heard. And the- So um, the only tickets left are for uh, Frankston Arts Centre, mm-hmm. which is on the 4th. Yes. Mm. And they're going fast, so they are. You, you, you need to hurry up and uh, get online and grab those tickets. Of course, uh, we'll have opened to. Up, they've opened up extra seats there because we've already sold more than we did last yeah, time. Yeah, because there's an upstairs too. Yeah, we'll have to put the word out. Absolutely. Mm. So, firstly, I just wanted to um, start. Um, you have a nickname. Your name. You're also known as. I can pronounce it right. Is it Patu? Yeah. Is that a nickname or? It sounds a little different when it's Jamaican because normally it's Patu. Okay. But but that that's my nickname. Basically, it just means night owl. Night owl. Okay. Well, you yeah, you would be a night owl. Well, yeah, but I was a night owl before I became a professional night owl. Okay. Um, that nickname came from my sisters. I used to sneak out a lot when I was younger. Did you just? um, Yeah. But uh, um, an owl in Jamaica is called Patu, and it's a a particularly ugly owl. Okay. Initially, I wasn't happy about the nickname, (laughs) but I I got used to it over time. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. So you're currently performing in an 11-piece, you know, powerhouse band, and you're touring the show called Dancing in the Shadows of Motown. Can you tell me I about am. this? Yes, you are. Um, well, what we've done is we've taken the um, the music that was essentially in the first, well, the first decade, you know, or less, and um, the, the music was played by the Funk Brothers, mm-hmm. who were the, the backing band for pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hence we took the name from the movie about them, which was um, "Dancing the Shadows of of um, what was it? Motown. I think it was just "Dancing the Shadows." So, standing in the shadows of Motown. Yeah, and so we took we changed the name to "Dancing the mm-hmm. Shadows of Motown," and we do the music or the hits that they worked on. Um, so we've got. 
a 10-piece outfit, four mm-hmm. singers up front and the rest are musicians. Um, sometimes we have 11, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we have an extra horn player. But um, it's classic, classic hits, mm-hmm. classic songs that you probably all knew. Mm-hmm. You, if you didn't grow up with them, you were conceived to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I watched Standing in the Shadows of Motan. It's, it's an amazing backstory of, of the Funk Brothers. Um, yeah. Do, does your um, stage show capture and talk about the Funk Brothers as well at the same time while you're singing the songs? No, we do it in between. Songs. Yeah, yeah, lovely. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, we do talk about, we give little anecdotes here and there. So we do mention the, the Funk Brothers, you know, more than once. Uh-huh. Um, and we tell little stories about um, various artists, uh-huh. you know, nothing too long mm-hmm. um, because it's not a musical, you know, mm-hmm. but um, little bits of anecdotal information goes a long way. All right. And the audience seem to enjoy knowing those little tidbits that they didn't know. Uh-huh. You know, it fills in a gap. Yeah, so you sort of recreate the live performances of all the Motel leg- legends, you know, Temptation, yep. Stevie Wonder, Supremes, yep. Marvin Gaye, yep. all them, yep. Four Tops, amazing. Yep. Um, so when I first heard about your show on the radio, um, you were being interviewed by Vince Peach on Soul Time yep. on 3PBS, yep. and that was early mm-hmm. last year when I first heard about it, and I thought, oh, that would be something i'd like to see and you know completely forgot about it and then just recently i heard again on the radio like it was being to it like you know dancing in the shadows of motown and you know and they kept advertising it at the frankston arts center i'm thinking why are they advertising it there and then my ears pricked and i thought oh that's you know here we are and here i am interviewing you so i was really excited you know and now i'm going to go and see it Mm. yeah well we've been toying it for years we we Mm -hmm. didn't just start you know so Last year, we went to New Zealand and we toured most of Australia anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, we're going to do it all again. Mm. Okay. I think people will feel really n- nostalgic when they hear all these old soul-type songs. Well, They're classic songs. Well, and, and any hit that, that you grew up to, you know, that was kind of, you know, a, um, a part of your life, you know, once you hear it again, it's like, you know, um, certain food smells or mm-hmm. flowers or perfumes or, you know, songs that, that um, resonated with you, you know, like might be the song that was, you know, the song of your first love, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, there's certainly a song in the show that we do that was massive for me when I was 16, you know, with... with you know the girl I I thought I was in love with. <laughs> Is that what the song was called? No, no, no. That's not what the song was. But it just reminds oh, me. Oh yeah, that and what was that song? Situation. What was that song? Yeah. Oh uh, well, I might keep that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll get teased on. Yeah, stage, yeah. You know? Do you think people know much about Motown? You know, you know the history behind um, it with Barry Gordy. You know how he started it. And you stuff know what? Like that. I don't think people know a lot about Motown, but they know a lot about their favorite artists. Yeah. So someone who's into Martha Reeves knows everything about Martha Reeves, and someone that's into Gladys Knight knows everything about Gladys Knight, but then doesn't know anything about The Temptations and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about, 
you know, it's it's a show that's kind of got something for everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, it's 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 you're not going to hear all of your favorite songs. You know, some people might, mm-hmm. but you will hear a lot of things that you love and you know, and and you may still hear something you've never heard before. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest surprises for a lot of people is um, finding out that a song that we do was first done by Motown and not by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. You know, because the Beatles covered a lot of Motown songs. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, that started their career, which a lot of people didn't realize, even though the Beatles said, if you like what we're doing, go listen to these guys. Mm. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, what what's it like touring with such a, a big band? Um, must, I don't consider fun. it a big band. No. Okay. So, so it's kind of... Um, you know, it's pretty easy. It's it's no problems. I mean, I guess um, we're all older. You know, we're all uh-huh. professionals. We we don't we don't run amok. Uh huh. Okay. You know, so it's it's very different. I'm like, if you asked me the same question thirty years ago, I'd be giving you a different answer. Of course. Of course. And I'd probably be touring with less people and having more grief. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it just doesn't happen now. You know. Okay. So I'm guessing everything's pretty. It's like a well-oiled machine now. Great, great. So I'm guessing the band is um, pretty tight. So is there much room for you to jam or improvise, like going off script, like making stuff stuff up off script whilst the show is on, or do you just stick to the program? Like, do you ever get carried? Yeah, you don't ever get carried away. No, it's not a jazz gig. (laughs) Okay. Even though it's not a musical and it's not an original gig either, Mm -hmm. so it's um, you're, you're you're recreating something that everybody knows right so when you've got like the first you know i've got lights in my eyes but i can usually see the first few rows Mm -hmm. when you've got the people in the first few rows singing the lyrics with you you know taking a little aside to go and jam away doesn't sit well you know Mm -hmm. um because they've come to hear their favorite song the way they remember it So you kind of have to play it that way. That's not to say you can't take the odd liberty here and there. You can, but you're limited on where you can do that and what you can do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you might be able to extend the solo, you know, um, an extra eight bars or something like that. But that's about it. You certainly can't change the lyrics. Yeah. Okay. So, um, is it hard to choose what songs to play for the show? As the you know the catalog is so you know big like yes and no i mean like there are certain songs that are iconic like say my girl right uh-huh. um we will never not play that song at a show okay right because because it's too big it's too iconic mm-hmm. it's like you know you, if you did a show and you didn't do my girl it'd be going well how can you do a motown show and not do that song Right, and there are there are certain songs like that within the show that will always be there, and then there are other songs that you can kind of rotate. Mm-hmm. You know, so the repertoire is big, but because we're only basing it on, you know, say the first say ten years, instead of like five thousand songs, you've only got to deal with two. Okay, all right. So the show's been running for a few years now. Um, uh, four? Four Just years. over four, I think. Yeah. Okay. 
And does that take up a lot of your time? Like, are you going to all different states in Australia or...? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've uh, been to Perth, Queensland, Victoria. Uh-huh. We're going to Tasmania this year. We've been to that other state across the di- ditch called New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So... But, um, and people love it's, it, so, you know... Yeah, yeah, Pe- people love it, so wherever they're willing to have us, we're willing to go. Oh, okay. Oh, and obviously wow. you've been to Victoria, so, you know, it's, it's... Why wouldn't you go... Look, if you've got an audience that wants to hear what you're doing, there's nothing better. Oh. That is the best, you yeah. know. It's, you know, there, there's, sadly, there are musicians out there playing their hearts out to nobody. You know, mm. and and that's really sad. You know, and the last couple of years with COVID and lockout laws in New South Wales and all that, it's been pretty tough mm. for a lot of acts to be able to play. Never mind to have an audience. Mm-hmm. So um, we're lucky where we have an audience, and there are a great many people that still love this music and still want to hear it. So as long as they want to hear it, we're willing to play it. Mm-hmm. How did you cope during COVID? Did it affect you um, at all? I did, I did really well. I still performed. Mm-hmm. You know, it was in, um, we had smaller audiences because they had to be, you know, separated, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I still managed to work. And I still traveled. And like, I went to, I went to Melbourne about five times during COVID. Mm-hmm. So every time there was a window open, I went down. Yeah, Okay. But, you know, so um, I, I manage to work. Plus, I work in a few other acts, so I'm not just doing um, the Motown show. I do other things as well. How many things do you have on the go? I read somewhere you've got, you're probably in 15 bands. Is that correct? Um, yes. That's pretty, that's pretty intense. Not really, because okay. none of them work all the time. Okay. So, you know, one of them might only work twice in, in a year, you know what I mean? Okay. And and then someone else will do 30 and the other one will do 30 and, mm. and the other one will do 15. So it's kind of, you know, it's a bit of juggling, but it's not, it, mm-hmm. I don't see it as intense because I'm, I'm doing what I love. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's all joy. Yeah. So, so your career spans over four decades and right across the globe and you've yeah. toured you know, around the world as a backing vocalist, you know, for Kylie Minogue, warm, warmed up yeah. for Queen, James Brown, yeah. and your your Eurythmics. And, you know, the list goes on. You're a singer's singer. I just wanted to know where it all began. So, um, birth. pardon? Birth. <laughs> birth, I know. I was going to say, were you born in Bristol in the UK and your, your family yeah. immigrated from Jamaica? Um, yeah. Was your family a part of the Windrush generation? Yes. Yeah. So what was it like to be a part of that generation? Um, well, I left England because I was sick of being pulled over by cops every week. Uh-huh. Just for being black, you know. Uh-huh. So just wanna, you know, I mean, like, there's stuff about England that I love and there's stuff, about the, establish- stuff about the establishment that I hate. So okay. I left. I left the first opportunity I got, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a big culture shock for your folks when yeah, they arrived it here? It was, it, was, it was huge for them. Especially the but cold weather, could you imagine? Well, yeah, they all hated it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, 
Um, but then you've gone there with no money mm-hmm. on a £10 ticket, you know, same as the, the Poms come into Australia. Yes. Exactly the same deal. And you're stuck there because, like, you can't get back until you've raised the money to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get a place to, to rent because nobody wants to rent to you because of exactly. your income, right? Yeah. So you end up buying a place. Well, and then you've got a mortgage. You've got to pay that off. Then you fall pregnant. You have children. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, and after a while, you're just there and you make the best of it. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't easy back in those early days. I mean, like I go back now and things have improved a lot and it's very different. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not great at the moment, but the reason it's not great is because of, you know, COVID and all of those and Ukraine, all of those things that have an impact oh, on yeah. England at the moment. It's very different. But from my point of view, it's better than it was when I left, but you still couldn't pay me to go back and live there because I've just got a bit of taste from stuff. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, but my mum's happy there. Mum and dad divorced years ago. Dad went back to Jamaica. Do you do? And then, yeah, and he passed away there. So, um, you know, but I've, the majority of the family is still in Jamaica. Because my family is massive. Uh-huh. You know, so uh, there's like, you know, hundreds of them in the uk but there's more than that elsewhere Uh uh-huh okay wow so growing up did your parents play music in your home yeah there's always music with jamaicans you know it's like there's no life Mm. without music yeah yeah you know mum and dad didn't um sing or play but they danced yeah no so they they used to do like traditional folk dancing and stuff together That's, that's how they met but there was always music there was never there was never not music in the house. Uh-huh. So you were in... And, you, and inf- you, wouldn't go to, you wouldn't go to any West Indian house, regardless of whether they're Jamaican, Guyanese, Trinidadian or whatever. There would be music in the house uh-huh. all the time. And yeah. w- were you influenced by their music? Um, yeah, I was influenced by their music, but I was influenced by everything I heard, you know? It's like... Um, I listened to big band jazz, uh-huh. jazz, blues, funk, mm-hmm. reggae, mm-hmm. country, you know. And, like, I listened to pop when I went to school. But, you know, I like the stuff there that I like as well. So, you know, for me, music, there's two types of music. There's good and there's bad. Mm-hmm. The genre doesn't matter that much. Okay. Wow. And um, so can you remember, like, what was one of your first gigs you ever went to, like, in the UK? First gig I ever went to? Yes. Stevie Wonder. Tell me about this. I want to hear about this story. <laughs> uh, it was 1968. Uh, my mum was a psychiatric nurse. Uh-huh. And I knew that you could take patients to concerts for free. Really? So we took five mentally ill patients to see Stevie Wonder in wheelchairs with my sisters and my mum and I got to watch Stevie Wonder mm-hmm. which blew my stocks off you know and the patients kind of wouldn't have known where they were really but that didn't matter that worked <laughs> for me <laughs> yeah I was being very selfish but that was my first gig okay wow how old were you 10 10 yeah oh. That's amazing. Um, so, when you're growing up in Bristol, like when you're a teenager, like what type of music were you getting into then? Or 
um, reggae funk, reggae funk, yeah, jazz. Uh huh. Okay. You know, early Jamaican ska, not the stuff that is commonly known here, but the stuff that originated it. Uh huh. Um. So, what did you do when you finished your schooling? Um. Did you learn a trade at all, or did you get yeah, into yeah, music? Well, I was playing drums from like nine until nineteen. Uh huh. But um, I I'm a first class welder by trade. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, yeah, I, I went and learned to trade and travelled doing that. Okay. That's how I, I got to Australia on my trade papers. Oh, did you? Yeah, they didn't. They let you in that way, did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I came here as a German resident. Did you? With German and English qualifications. Okay. So you went so you, you went overseas, so you went to Germany before you came to Australia? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. So how did you start sort of in, in the music industry? Um, I was a mad keen sports fanatic, so I played soccer and rugby union and cricket, and I played them at good levels. Did you? And that was a I, question I was going to ask you if you had a soccer team. Yeah, I do. I do. I, you know, a few actually. Like my my, my main team is Bristol Rovers, uh-huh. but my uh, the team that I watch the most would be Chelsea in the Premier League. Nice, nice. I didn't put that in, you know. I, and I, I was asked to ask you that question, and I thought I'm not going to yeah, ask yeah. you about soccer, like football. And I'm glad you answered yeah, that. Thank you. Me, you may yeah. speak. You may speak. Sorry, I interrupted. I won't interrupt you. Again. Yeah, no. So. Um, I played all of those sports, you know, and, and um, one of the games, a rugby game, got rained out one day, and uh, a couple of guys I know had, like, a, a vocal group, and I got invited, because I used to sing, when we used to go out to, like, local discos, mm-hmm. I would always be singing, you know, mm-hmm. um, so they asked me if I was interested in, in joining a vocal group, so I did. Mm-hmm. And kind of, I, I loved it, you know, I thought it was great. I'd always been in my school choirs and mm-hmm. all of that, you know. I, I was a little soprano when I was really young, and then I hit 14 and my voice dropped. I was horrified, but, mm-hmm. you know, I got used to it over time. Okay. So when yeah. when was the moment when you knew you wanted to be a singer? Was that was that it when you not really? Probably when I was in Germany. Uh huh. Um, I formed a band over there with with a cousin of mine that was living there, mm-hmm. and uh, he played bass and I sang for that band and that's how it started. And then I um I entered a vocal competition over there and I won it. Wow, um, nice. And I, and I started performing, you know, so I had a little act over there called the Pat Powell Dance Group. Unreal. Yeah. Okay. So would you dan- dance as well at the same time? No, I had four dance. I'd just sing in my hot outfit. Yeah. <laughs> and I had two girls and two guys that would dance behind me. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, and you never had any formal singing lessons? Like it just came naturally to you? Um, no, I, no, I've never had any formal singing lessons. Uh-huh. I've had um, some speech therapy classes at one point, but 
I did like three of those and then stopped. But no, I've never had any formal singing lessons. Okay. I just uh, got what I got. And, yeah, and you just you used know, it. And I just used yeah. it, but I used it a lot. Yeah. You know? So um, you arrived in Sydney. So why Sydney and not Melbourne? So, you know. Why Sydney and not Melbourne? Because <laughs> the woman there that wanted me to come to Australia lived in Sydney. Oh, did she? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then can you give me a snapshot of what you did after, you know, you arrived here? Like what, you know, you just started working, just doing gigs and, I mean. Um, took me probably six months to get my first band together. Uh-huh. But it probably took me about two years to like Australia. Really? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, I never wanted to come here in the first place. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. You want the truth? I yeah, thought yeah. it was a third most was racist hard, place. Was it too hard to get back, get a ticket back? No, no. I, I thought it was the third most racist place on the planet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hear. You know, it doesn't have the world's best history on that level. Of course. Right. And I knew about it. So it was like, well, why do you want to go there? It was like, okay, I'll go. I'll see this woman. Hopefully it works out. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, She'll Be Right was a, alive and well, and still is to a certain extent. I don't really prescribe to She'll Be Right. Okay. You don't put some effort in if you want stuff to work. And, you know, I was coming across too much She'll Be Right and not enough mm -hmm. doing anything. Oh, okay. So it took me a while to find the kind of people that I wanted to hang with that were, you know, willing to, you know, get their arm, arm, arms out and dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that took a little while. But once once you do that and you make the connections and you, you, you kind of solidify your friendships, then the place becomes warmer. You know, you mm -hmm. start to see it. I, I initially just used to see it as a place I lived, mm -hmm. you know. It took me a long time before I started calling Australia home. Okay. Okay. In fact, it took me six years before I did that. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry you felt that way. <laughs> well, you know, it is what it, it is. It is what it know? is, I know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, and so you got your band together. And yep. what was it like then? Like, was it more of a, a pub scene? Or a I was definitely, dance? the pub, pub rock scene was definitely alive and well. And what was great about it was that um, the venues put on acts and they promoted the, the, the acts in the papers and on radio. Mm -hmm. And that included commercial radio. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody was pushing the pub rock scene. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's, um, it kind of, um, it made life really, really easy mm -hmm. for, for the live music scene. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like there were always posters out, there were, um, um, radio as promoting all of the venues didn't matter where in the country you were mm -hmm. your tours would be promoted so I would do like a six to eight, eight week turnaround of the whole country in a Tarago with a bunch of guys mm -hmm. okay you know and everybody else was doing the same yeah wow. so I the whole of the 80s was like a really kind of wonderful burgeoning 
music scene that, that got supported on all levels. And of course, there weren't any other distractions. There was no internet. There was no, you know, mobile phones. There was nothing, you know. Mm -hmm. So music was kind of like the highlight of most people's entertainment mm. week. And back back then, the live shows, they were there were more places or bigger areas. Like well, you didn't have well, to sell out stadiums or you didn't have to... Uh, I don't well, know. Well, you kind of you did, but, you know, it's like we used to play places that held 3,000 people, but there would be three acts on. Mm-hmm. You know, so there would be a, a headline act and it might be someone like In Excess or, you know, Cold Chisel, and then there would be another band and and then another band below that. And, you know, and I started at the bottom and worked up. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Um, that that's how it was for like i said everybody we we all we all started off doing the little gigs and then we did bigger gigs mm -hmm. and then slightly bigger gigs and you know and um that that stayed that way until probably uh the first part of the 90s mm -hmm. when it all started to change and djs became more popular and um a lot of the big venues um refashioned themselves and you know uh built restaurants within them and they became like a bit more trendy and mm -hmm. and um you know the, the um commercial radio stations now only played stuff that was promoted by the record labels mostly from overseas mm -hmm. um a few from here but only if you were you know a top line recording act you know and so the smaller bands um kind of got edged out of the publicity thing but you know a lot of the gigs still kept going until you know like the 2000s you know but um lockout laws up here killed a lot of them and they haven't recovered from that mm. even though things are starting to come back in a really healthy way it's not there yet and it's different it's not the same as it was mm -hmm. mm, things have definitely changed in the last few yep. years, um, yeah. So by the nineties, you were, you know, you know, one of Australia's most demanded studio artists, um, recording yep. with likes of, you know, James Fraud, you know, Jenny Morris, yeah. Um, just to name a few, Max Q and Ma Paul and Margaret Ehrlich. Um, yeah. Sadly, yep. she just recently passed away. Yeah. Um, and then you picked up support acts in the league of you know James Brown Queen Eurythmics Boy George Crowded House Tino Arena I have to mention them all because it's so cool George Benson and the list goes yeah. on you've got like you know a colourful and most successful career then you happen to have toured with Kylie Minogue you know yeah. how did you lend your voice there? Um, backing vocals and also we did a duet we did like a little kind of acapella duet um, in the middle of a show and also I would do one of my songs while she did a costume change in the middle of a show. Mm -hmm. So so I, I got highlighted. But I mean, the main reason I, I got that was I was really good friends with Michael Hutchins, who mm -hmm. she was dating at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, when she decided to put a band together, he suggested to her that she use Melbourne guys and Sydney guys, mm -hmm. not just everyone from one place but to mix it up because there was obviously talent in both camps oh that's nice that's good yeah yeah so that's what she did oh that's that's wonderful so what stage in her career did you take part in like what stage in her well i did her first australian tour uh-huh 
and I did a first world tour, so the beginning. Oh, wow. So that was um, when her career was just taking off. No, no, right at the beginning. So first song, Locomotion. Oh, wow. Okay, I remember buying so, that record. <laughs> yeah, so fr- yeah. From, from there, right, through to, like, Better the Devil You Know. Oh, gosh, that's, yeah. What was it like touring with Kylie? Great. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. You know, she's a nice person we yeah. were taken care of. Yeah. You know, we played some great, great thing. You know, I've played Wembley with her three times. Yeah. You know, so I did the John Lennon tribute concert mm-hmm. with her. It was like 46,000 people in Liverpool. Oh, wow. You know, like no one here knows about it, but it's it's online. You can uh-huh. find it online. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it amazes me about Kylie. I used to love Kylie and Danny <laughs> growing up, and then she Well, just... I, knew Danny, I knew Danny before I, I knew Kylie. Mm-hmm. Because right? I knew Danny from Sydney. Mm-hmm. And, um... So, you know, and she was the singer at the time and Kylie was the actress. Yeah, I just was amazed how her her life became as a singer, Kylie, yeah. And when I always thought Danny was most talented, but yeah. Well, um, just in different ways, you know, like mm-hmm. from, 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 you know, it's danny's got way more experience as a singer mm-hmm. what people don't know is that danny's had a string of hits in in the uk but nobody hears about it mm. here. but if Kylie has one the world knows about it yeah 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 amazing amazing so did that open a lot of opportunities for you like after you did that tour with kylie um yes and no i mean like in some respects i still get gigs based on the fact that i've done that because it's on the resume Uh uh-huh you know what i mean but it's it's not a direct thing there's no one booking me specifically because i sang Mm. for kylie you know but the more people that you sing for of note Mm. the more opportunities are available to you Mm mm-hmm you know what I mean? It's like doors will open because of that connection. You then have to prove yourself once you walk through the door. Mm. But um, but it certainly it it certainly helps. Mm. Wow. Yeah, amazing. So you've won two arias. Can you tell me about that? I sing for the Melbourne Ska Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Now that's a big band. Yes, there's twenty five in that one. I thought it was 34, 25. No, when I joined, it was 30. Yeah. We have played with 36 in the past, uh-huh. but only in Melbourne. Okay. Um, and when we went on our first international tour, we went with 30. And then after that, we cut it down to 25 because mm-hmm. logistically, it's just too hard. Uh-huh. You know, it's a lot of money for, you know, visas and uh-huh. accommodation, transport and all the rest of it. Okay. So, um, okay. So you won the Arias. So we do a lot of original music, mm-hmm. and you know, we we um, we have a, a really good reputation for mm-hmm. our live performance. So um, that obviously helps with sales and promotion mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it, it's it's um it's an amazing live show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's um Are you still touring with them? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're doing the tour this year. Oh, okay, lovely. Whatever is let's go just for this year. Oh, have to come. So oh, so we'll be doing up. that. Um yeah, it's it's that's my main band. Yeah, okay. You so know? that's your main band, okay. That's my main band, you know. Um you know, I, I have to you know, could pledge my allegiance to the band that I do originals with mm-hmm. and I win arias with, mm-hmm. you know. And then Dancing in the Shadows is my number two band, mm-hmm. you know, which I probably work more with Dancing in the Shadows. But, you know, like I, I've, I've been with the other band for, what, 14 mm-hmm. years. You know, I can't walk away from that, you know. Mm, totally. And, and everybody respects that that position you know mm. so um i really like the um you've got i heard the diesel and dub songs a, co- a collection of iconic midnight oil songs that you are a part of how did that come about yeah i love that um it, it's the whole album is called Declan Kelly presents mm-hmm. Diesel and Dub. Mm-hmm. Um, Declan Kelly's a drummer who I'm very close to, and he, uh, well, he also sings and plays guitar, but mm-hmm. he's known as a drummer, drummer primarily. And he decided to do this, and it's loosely based on a overseas act called Easy Dub All Stars mm-hmm. that have done kind of reggae versions of. Um, Dark Side of the Moon and Sgt. Peppers mm-hmm. and you know like certain iconic albums and they've done really well so Declan decided to do that and mm-hmm. uh, it worked well for us we went on tour um, that got filmed mm-hmm. that's I think won an award or been nominated for a couple of awards mm-hmm. it was in the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival mm-hmm. I saw that yeah, yeah. And you can stream it, so you can watch it. It's very well received. Yeah. So um, that was Declan getting a whole bunch of friends mm-hmm. to do a, bo- a whole bunch of songs that he had a lot of respect for. Mm. And did they just, with the um, Diesel and Dub songs, did they just focus on that, the one Midnight Oil album? Yeah, pretty much, mm. yeah. Okay. So, can you tell me about your own music? So My you, own music? Yeah, so you've backed a lot of bands and artists in the past and now, you know, you've made, you know, you've, you know, you've got a few of your own albums. Can you tell me about your own music? Like, oh. I don't know, like how long did it take you to put an album out or, you know, just your own stuff? Depends on time and money and availability mm-hmm. of people and studios. So, you know, it can be, you know, done in a couple of days or done over a couple of months, uh-huh. depending on, on um, schedules and stuff. I mean, I've been away pretty much every weekend this weekend, but I've started another album. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when that's going to be finished because everyone's touring and doing stuff at the moment, so it makes it a little difficult. But yes. uh, we managed to get half of it done, so we'll see how we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will come out this year. Um, but it's and it's also finance. You know, it's like I've got to earn the money to be able to pay for it. So you know, it's mm-hmm. it's another issue. It's another issue that um, 
if I'm not earning, then that slows stuff down. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've had like some medical issues of late, you know, mm-hmm. I've recently had a hip replacement surgery. And wow. I'm just about to have um, knee replacement surgery. Oh, gosh. So, so I do Crown Casino on the 5th. I'm in hospital on the 7th. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, good luck yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I survived the hip surgery. You know, people seem to be dying from it at I'm, the moment. Oh, I'm so sad to hear the news. I just... Yeah, it's not good, but, you know, um, there was underlying stuff, you know, so... Oh, oh, I know. Yeah. Um, Rene Gaia, yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, yeah. Really, yeah, that was a shock. Um, yeah. Well, it wasn't so much her? a shock for did me because you... I've met her mm-hmm. a few times and um, I, I um, was dealing with her last year at Blues Fest in Byron Bay because I work there every year. Mm-hmm. And she was not in the best of health at the time. Okay. So, you know, like reading that she had, um, you know, issues with, with lung cancer mm-hmm. kind of explains some of that because mm-hmm. it obviously had to have been around a while, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. But, um, yeah, you know, so that's going to take me out of commission for about, you know, four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's going to cause more waiting, you know. Mm. But um, but that's okay. I'm I'm fine with that. You know, it, it still means that um, the hard yards are done, and in a lot of cases, it's once you actually start something, then it's not too hard to keep the ball rolling. the the The, the hardest thing is is to start it. Mm. Yes. yes. Get indeed. the first thing down. Yes. So lastly, I'd like to talk to you about your doco. There's been, you know, that's been made about you. Um, it's called, yeah. it's called um, Patu in black yeah. and white. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about that? I've only just watched the, you know, the promo. The trailer. For, yeah, yeah, the trailer. Um, I was in someone else's documentary. Okay. And the director said, oh, you're an interesting cat. I should do a documentary <laughs> about you. And I went, okay. So that was, I don't know, three years ago. Yes. And uh, we, we did it. You know, it took like two and a half years to put mm-hmm. together. But, mm-hmm. um, um, but it's out there and it's doing really well. And I'm happy with the result, mm-hmm. even though people go, what's it about? And I go, well, you know, you got to ask the director. It's not my movie. Yeah, I'm the subject matter, which makes it slightly different. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking the questions; I'm answering mm-hmm. them. You know, mm-hmm. people are being asked questions about me, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not there for that. So, you know, I've got no control over it whatsoever. But I have to be um, honest that what was done was was beautiful in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I, I'm proud of it, and I'm happy about it, and. You know, and I've got some really lovely friends out there that have said some great things about mm. me. Great, tell, you know. Tells a moving experience, telling you well, it story. is, you know, because it's it's about it's about me. It's mm-hmm. about my views on life, mm-hmm. on identity, on racism, on music, mm-hmm. on my children. Mm-hmm. You know, so and them on me. Mm-hmm. You know, so. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Mm, it's a good way to, you know, preserve important events in your life. 
as well. Well, you know, some of them, you know, there's some things that will probably never go in the screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, um, and there's also, you know, a book being written about me. Wow. Which uh, all happens sometime. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's really great. So, do you it's, it's very flat. It's very flattering. Yeah. No, it's good. You need to put it out there. Do you do, you do anything else outside of music besides singing? I don't think you have any any time to do anything different, do you? You don't. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Um, do you have a hobby? What other hobbies do, do you have? No, no, I do disability support work. Okay. And so I I take. Um, mentally challenged people mm-hmm. and on excursions a bit like I did with Stevie Wonder yeah <laughs> you've come full circle yeah totally totally mm. oh wow so so people can if I, ca- if I have a hobby my hobby is photography okay oh. I love taking photographs yeah you- preferably with a camera okay but most of the time I use a phone because that's what's with me at the time. I know. I, I, I see you like taking photos of locations of where you're at, where you're at, because you're always at different locations. Yeah, well, every time I'm doing that, I'm actually working. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. Because you're touring. No, I'm not touring. I'm doing disability Oh, work you are. Okay, yeah. okay. All right. So, you know, so I specify that it's work today. Uh-huh. Or, um, you know, if I'm on a break, then I'll say I'm on a break or it's the weekend mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Okay. But, yeah, I, I like to photograph whatever I see. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. So, people can catch you at the Frankston Art Centre on Friday the 3rd of February. Um, you know, tickets are selling thing? fast. Tickets are selling fast so that it's not going to last long. So for those who, you know, even, you know, apparently saw the show last year, you know, um, you're presenting new songs as well this time around, I heard. Um, yeah, but there'll be some new songs, but, you know, the old classics will all still be there. Yeah, yeah. So I hear, and then you're playing at Crown Casino at the Palms the following na- night on the 4th of Feb, and that's sold out. That's fantastic. Yep. So, you know, um, good luck with everything. Um you know, I can't thank you enough for um, making the time to chat to me and sharing all your stories with us here at Radio Carom. It's been a pleasure, yes. Pat. Yes. Okay, not a problem. Yeah, it's been really good. So thank it's you. It's nice to be asked. Thank no, you. No, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I can't wait to see the show. I'm so looking forward to it. And I reckon I'll be dancing because I won't be able to sit down. I'll just have to dance. Well, most people struggle with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know. You know, it's it's that kind of in during COVID when we were doing it, you know, people had to sit. Mhm. You know, so for instance, we used to sing dancing in your seats instead of dancing in the streets. Oh, really just okay. Yeah, we did. All you right. Know? So that that was one time when we improvised. Anyway, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again. Pleasure was mine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.